we are as close to God as we want to be. Is that true? We may not be as close as we wish we were, but we are as close as we want to be. Just ponder that and testimony to the thoughts last evening. I want to move onward this morning with the Lord's help and just our own meditation and ponderings and opening the scripture together in thinking about the patriarchs of the past and the moving of God's spirit within them. Big topic and we'll, we'll not be able to cover the material adequately but, but we are wanting to, to give some thought to this and learn several lessons from it and go through several scriptures. Something that we want to make a point of, first of all, as we think about the, the patriarchs of the past, we have sometimes this image of them that they were so much different than we were. And so their experiences are like a little out of touch. We have a hard time getting a hold of uh, what it means when they did certain things that seemed so amazing and and proclaimed the word of the Lord in such a noble fashion and predicted things that were to come to pass in the future, which then did come to pass. But I have appreciated, I think it was uh, Butch Young, more than one time in his messages over the years, he would talk about someone like Abraham. And he would just say this in passing in his sermon that Abraham was a man of God just like I am a man of God. He was not exalting himself. He was not bringing Abraham down. He was giving it perspective. And, and I said, thank you. That, that helps. It's like these men are not just lofty men of the past. They are actual people, flesh and blood, that were men of God just like we are. Turn your Bibles. This scripture has already been referred to this week. But to James 5 to just embolden and amplify this truth referred to, I think, last night. Very important connection that's been given to us to make between us and patriarchs of the past. We call them patriarchs because they are fathers. They're fathers of the faith. They're fathers of family. They're godly men. We call them patriarchs. James 5.17 Read a few verses here. Prayer of faith, referring to the anointing, shall save the sick, the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He's speaking of today. It avails much. Then he points back to Elias, or Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. What he's saying is that, that these men of old, these men of God, 
were men just like we are. So when we read about Abraham and his trials, his faith, the things he went through, we should be able to know this, identify with this, that he was a man of God just like we are men and women of God. When we read the story of Joseph and his trials and how he was treated and all that he went through and his experiences in Egypt, we should be able to know that this young man was just a young man who was serving God just like we are young men and women who are serving God. There's a little capture, a little drawing of Elijah praying, such an impressive thing, much to be said about about Elijah praying, and the thing that's most amazing to us, and maybe we referred to this earlier, is that Elijah, when you think about prayer, just think about this, that Elijah already knew, he had been told that, that the rain was going to come, and yet at the end of that day on Mount Carmel, he got down upon his knees and he prayed. And God worked through prayer, and he still does today. Last night we heard Brother Dale say this with, with a lot of emphasis that Elijah's God still lives today. And today, these days that we live in are still the days of Elijah. They really are. It's not, we, we, we sometimes refer back to what's called Bible times. These are Bible times right now. That's what they are. So let's remember that as we move through this. Notice this. We'd like to um, speak a little bit. Well, let's, let's go a little further with the similarity here between how God used the patriarchs and how He uses us. Just maybe, maybe jot these things down because I think this is important. God used them, this is the way we wrote it here, sometimes for a special purpose. He uses us for a special purpose. I know that all of you have experienced this, most of you no doubt, especially as you get older, that you have sensed sometimes you had an experience or a conversation with someone and it blessed them that for the moment God, God used you. He used them for His voice to His people. Sometimes He uses us for His voice to His people. He blessed them and He guided them within. He blesses us and guides us within. The similarities are so great. Well, now, so what is the difference? And are there any differences in the way the Spirit worked then and the way the Spirit works now? We'd like to discuss this just a little. Here's a picture of of Elijah in Ahab's court and we'd like to just think a little bit of, of uh, uh, for example this this was this was God using a patriarch using a father using a prophet using a faithful man of God to to speak in old time God's will and to bring correction to his people and again, there are many examples of this, and we'll go through a few more a little later, God working, but in the Old Testament, God's Spirit worked through men to reveal God's, to reveal God, to reveal God's will, and to reveal God's correction, and what a moment that was there 
in Ahab's court when this rugged man just simply walks in and says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And you can hear, you can see Ahab's defiant, surprised look on his face. And he was more defiant and more surprised and more desperate as the days went on. But in old time, God's Spirit worked through these men to speak to the people and bring news from God, a word from God, and correction from God. And there's something, there are many similarities about then and now, but there's something that is, that is different today. We like to, to express, and we know that we can, we can go too far with this because we know that God still speaks corrective words today. But we'd like to think of it this way. Jesus, we understand, was a further revelation of God. Isn't that true? So there was a picture of God given in the Old Time, in the Old Testament, in the Old Ages, there was a picture of God given, but when Jesus came, it was a much greater revelation. So when you think of, of the Spirit of God, how the Spirit of God worked in godly men then and godly men and women today, think of it this way. This is very limited and perhaps incomplete. But in old time, the Spirit worked through men to reveal God. And today, He is working through men to reveal Christ. So think of this. This is just a portion. And we'll, we'll speak of this later on in the week. But think of the revelation now of God through His people as the Spirit of God moves in them to reveal His full redemption and plan and rescuing of man and what he would like to do in the hearts of men. And he's doing it. A little difference between then and now. Let's go back to Abraham. We'd like to we'd actually like to use a an acronym. We we failed to give you that. And the acronym is just the word spirit. So the S for the word spirit these are little phrases this morning, is spiritual guidance in common people. That's what the S is. And the emphasis already has been that they were just common people, just regular folks. The P is this little phrase, patriarchs receiving word from God. And now we get into an area that that uh, again it will not be perfect and not complete but we'd like to think briefly about three methods God used to speak to these patriarchs and to work through them under this letter P turn to the 12th chapter of Genesis and we'll notice the first of the methods that we'd like to think about just briefly Genesis 12 And this is speaking concerning Abraham. 
And we know that these, there's a lot we do not understand about these circumstances. But just notice verses 1 through 4 in chapter 12 of Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of there. Now what this tells us is this. We'd like to speak of three methods. Maybe we'll just give them all three to you so that you have them and, and we don't overlook this. The first is speaking to them in vision and audible voice. This is one of the ways the Lord spoke to these patriarchs. And so that's what this is an example of here. Speaking to them in vision and audible voice. <clears throat> Secondly, another method of the three is coming upon them for a moment, giving God a voice to others. And we're, we're thinking especially of circumstances where, where a man, we, we really don't know much about these men, several of them in the old scripture that are not mentioned many, many times like, like Abraham was. Sometimes it just says, and the Lord spoke unto such and such a man of God and told him to go tell the king something. And we never read about this man again. But he came upon this man for a moment or a little season until that work was done and then the man went his way and did his carpentry work or whatever his trade was or keeping sheep. But he just came upon them. And thirdly, an inward influence. And again, we've already spoken briefly on what the difference is. There may not be a lot of difference in the actual experience between the, the inward influence of the Spirit then and the inward influence of the Spirit today, but there was a difference in the purpose for which the Spirit came. And we'll go through some of this later. So, first of all, Genesis 12, it says... The Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. <clears throat> we'll go to another scripture later that tells a little more about this. But this was, you know, all of us have had dreams before. I know we have where you, you wake up in the morning and you know your mother or father says, Did you have a good night's sleep? And you say, Well, yeah. You like I was dreaming a lot. What would you dream about? Well, can't quite put it together. Or, or maybe you can, but you're not sure what it means. And you wonder, maybe two or three days go by, and you wonder, was the Lord trying to tell me something with this dream? But this was something that Abram experienced, that there was no doubt Notice how long, this, this is four verses here, or three, of the message of God to him in a fashion that he understood. He did not wake up in the morning and not know what happened. 
He knew exactly what happened. And he was able in time to tell others. The second method, just coming upon them for a moment, giving a voice. 1 Kings 12, let's go to this. And these actually may seem very, very similar, but they were for, for different purposes. 1 Kings 12. <coughs> And the 22nd verse. The word of God came unto Shimei, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel, return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened, therefore, to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. This man did not receive something for himself to be guided by. He was a channel. He was a channel, a, a mouthpiece. He was called upon to speak the word of the Lord to someone else. In this case, it was Rehoboam, king of Judah. And, and this was the time of the dividing of the northern and southern tribes and and you know when, when there was this division began to take place, Rehoboam wanted to fix this because he wanted all of the nation of Israel to be under his hand. And the Lord sent Shimei to him and said, don't even think about it. This is a work I am doing in dividing this kingdom. So we hardly ever read about Shimei again. It's like he was just used of God as a mouthpiece and then it was over. His, his role was done, and he may have wondered, you know, that was a pretty sweet experience. I, I wish the Lord would do that again to me. No, that's all the Lord had for him, except godly living day by day. He was a man of God. Thirdly, an inward influence, and we'd, I'd like to give a couple scriptures here. We're thinking of this in, in more than one way. And again, we say, we emphasize this is so limited, and we shouldn't have said there was just three methods because there's, there's no doubt more. But this, go to Exodus, the 28th chapter, and notice something here that's just of a little different flavor. Twenty-eighth chapter of Exodus. And let's look at the third verse here. But let's begin reading at the first verse. Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, and from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me in the priest's office, 
And it moves on with the description of those garments. What did God do here? This is what I would understand. That he placed in the heart of quite a few people the knowledge and the spirit of wisdom and even know-how that they could make these garments. A specific task given by an inward indwelling and moving of the spirit so that they would have skill to do this. Exodus 35. <clears throat> the 30th verse. Back up to the 29th. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord God had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to devise curious works, to work in gold and silver and brass and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in carvings of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach, both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with, the, with wisdom of heart, to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman, and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and scarlet and fine linen, and of the weaver, and of them that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work, and we can just see in the days that follow, men working like busy bees, and Bezalel and the Holy Ab walking among them, and uh, questions coming like, how do, we, how do we make brass? And the answer coming back, how to do this? How do we, how do we bend this? How do we embroider my grandmother could do this, but I cannot do this. How do we embroider? And rushing over and, and uh, explaining how this is done. Because the Spirit of God was in them, giving them this skill to do all of these cunning works. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, it's pretty special. And if you have some special skill, you sisters, thank the Lord. I think He still does this today. Working within for a special purpose. The I in the word spirit. <clears throat> we're moving forward, forward now. We're thinking of the work of the Spirit of God. The I stands for illustrated. It is illustrated in many lives in the old scripture how God worked. And we'll go through, through several examples. Now we spoke earlier of, of Abraham and we'd like to go to one more scripture regarding Abraham that gives a little more, we'll say, illustration regarding what took place there when God spoke to him. Go to the 7th chapter of Acts in the New Testament and get another little addition in clarification as to the experience that Abraham had. This is the account here in this chapter of Stephen when he gave this
full and rich report of the history of Israel and went over several of the events that were taken place. And in the beginning of this seventh chapter of Acts, he says this. He says, second verse, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. Now that's interesting. The Lord appeared to Abraham. That gives us quite another dimension of Abraham's experience. This is quite different than Shimei. This is more full. This is more rich. No wonder. No wonder that he had no doubt what he had seen last night. His eyes were wide open. And we don't know exactly what this means, but the word appeared is very important. It's quite a different dimension than just said. So keep that in mind as you think of, of the patriarchs and, and the methods in which uh, the Lord spoke to many of them. Let's move on to the story of Joseph just a little. And again, we, uh, there's uh, a lot of detail here. We don't have time for this. But, but there's a point that we want to make about Joseph as an example when we are tempted to think that, that the experiences of the patriarchs, those of old, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and uh, Joseph, were so much different than that which we experience today. And so sometimes I think in our mind we kind of, of whine. We just kind of whine around about how limited our experience is. But think about, think about Joseph for just a little as you think about the experiences of the patriarchs. Um, Job comes to mind right now, I'm not sure why, but... But in, in all of his suffering, I have often thought of this, that, that before Job's trial began, he, he did not have any special visions. He did not have any special word from God. The sky was above him just like it's above us, and his experiences were very natural. And, and so in all that he went through, it seemed like God brought him through, but there was a lot that God did not tell him. When you think about someone like Joseph um, in this particular stage here, when his father gave him a coat of many colors, he was just a young lad that was enjoying life and, and everything was pretty normal for him. There were no special revelations. There was, this is interesting to me, in that he had, he had a couple of dreams, one of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down before him, and he... He, uh, I think this was very naive of him, but he told his brothers, and, and the sheaves in the field bowing down to him, but these dreams did come to him, but without any explanation. Like he was just, like we are sometimes, I think. He had these dreams, and it was amazing enough that he, he like had to tell somebody, but he did not know what it meant. There was no special revelation from him given the next day. Now, this is what this means. There's certain things going to happen to you. It was not given him. He was left totally in the dark as he experienced 
even these dreams. <clears throat> when, they, when his brothers mistreated him, he did not have any assurance that he was going to be delivered out of this. He thought he perhaps would die there. There was nothing special about a special revelation given him along the way to just assure him that everything was going to be alright. That's not how this happened. When Joseph was in prison, I think it was a very humiliating experience. The whole experience there within Potiphar's house, the total misunderstanding he could not clear himself of. But it is just, it is just amazing what took place there with, again, we're going to say, the Spirit of God working in this faithful lad. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. A little earlier, similar statement is made in Potiphar's house that it says again, the Lord was with Joseph. What does that mean? I think it means that God gave him success. We know that it does. He gave him... He made things work out in such a way in Potiphar's house that Potiphar slowly, little by little, gave everything into his hand. I think the scripture says Potiphar didn't even know what he had. It was all given to the hand of Joseph. I think it happens today. I think I have heard stories where believing godly men have been employed, even perhaps employed by an ungodly employer. And yet there's something, there's something in that young man. And the owner of the business knows it. And little by little he gives him more responsibility until he has risen to the top of the rung in that business. And if you were to ask the owner of that business, why, why do you have this young man as such a, so much responsibility here in your business? I don't know. He's got an excellent spirit. Amen. And that's what God was doing in the life of Joseph. So an inward, an inward experience, an inward moving a moving of God in Joseph's life that gave him further place. And even when he went to prison, my, my point, remember, part, partly in speaking of prison is, is Joseph did not know what the next step would be. He was not given full revelation. He was just given peace a day at a time to keep on walking with God and doing His will. And the Lord took care of further developments. The Lord was with Joseph. You remember that time when, uh, we love this picture because expressions on different faces here, you can just tell this is a moment of, of revelation for these uh, brothers. And even the eager face of young Benjamin as he sees the boy that he played with several years ago and suddenly realizes that this is he. But in all of this, 
I think Pharaoh said words like this when, when uh, Joseph finally came before him to interpret his dream. These are Pharaoh's words, Genesis 41, 38. Can we find such an one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Amazing coming from a Pharaoh. God didn't mean a lot to him, but that was his expression. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. God was working in the life of Joseph. I want to turn our uh, thoughts to Elijah. We just happened to jump through a few of these godly men.
calling away a faithful saint, even as it will happen to every one of us. Just get a hold of that, of that truth. We also shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and ever be with Him. Just a glorious thought. Keep, keep these pictures in your mind of men of God and what they experienced by the help of God's Spirit. Now, Elisha, we're, we're moving quickly here, but, but Elisha, Elisha's role, and we just have a, maybe just one picture here, of, or one or two of, uh, of Elisha's work. You think about all of the miracles that Elisha did. And they were all just simply supplying the needs of people. It was like making the bitter water sweet, putting a little meal in the water and, and taking the bitterness out of it. It was supplying oil for the widow. It was, it was making someone's the head of their axe to swim. I think uh, that phrase, the phrase there when it tells that story, it said, and the, and the iron did swim. Appreciate some of the titles for your messages, Dale. Dale, there's another good title. And the iron did swim. <laughs> I mean, just think about all that can go out from, from what God can do miraculously with His people. He can make iron swim. But, but every miracle just seemed to be a like a a promise of God's presence and assurance to that people. So, I do not know if God intended for Elijah to represent law and Elisha to represent Christ. I do not know, but I just pondered that. Is that, is that what was happening there? These two prophets showed up and one, his message was for correction and get back to God and line up with God's laws. And the other's message by his life and miracles is continual assurance and assurance and assurance. Ponder that. Maybe something there that you can take to further meditation. <clears throat> think of this as you think of the, uh, the work of the Spirit in, in a man like Elisha. Well, what happened here when, when uh, you know, Naaman came and dipped himself seven times in Jordan and was healed and wanted to give gifts and Elisha said no and Gehazi went after him and uh, told this little little fib, told this lie that all oh, a couple a couple of the prophets are coming right now uh, that have some needs and, and of course Naaman stopped and turned and gave him a lot of stuff and he got back to the house and hid the stuff and Elisha said Went not my heart with thee? When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Think of the, the revelation that the Spirit of God gave to Elisha to make that statement. Think of the, of the horror in the countenance and eyes of Gehazi when he knew that God was everywhere and his deed was known. We'd like to go further now to, um, this is Daniel, and our time is quickly running out here. Um, the point that we want in Daniel, and, and Daniel's life is, is uh, it seems as, as godly 
and even spotless as any of the old patriarchs, but we'll just refer quickly to statements that were made about Daniel by the kings that he served. Daniel 4.8, At the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. This was a Babylonish king. Daniel 5, this is the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar, I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in thee. Daniel 6.3, this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Think of that. This Jewish man. And again we say, this has been repeated over and over and over again. The R in the word spirit. Changing, changing tune here now a little bit. We're, we like to get to, to uh, the spirit moving to write the scriptures. Another whole topic. The R stands for reading a picture. Do you read pictures? Of course you do. Do your children read pictures? Yes, they do. They'll sit down and look at a picture and just talk and talk and talk and tell all about it. They're reading a picture. The point is this. The entire Old Testament is a picture. And we'd like to just make a couple comments about that. We may not have time to go, to go far with this. We, this is how we envision the, the scriptures being written, and, and this is one of the ways that it took place. But we also know something else, that, that the, there, is, there are types there. The old scripture, as it comes to us, is a type that tells all about the new, and it gets conveyed, and sometimes you will find that, that it is said that this is done, that it might be fulfilled, which saith... In other words, there's, there's things happening in the old scripture, the old accounts, the old stories, the old events that typify something. And so we all are acquainted with the type, <clears throat> this is our last one, we'll just leave it here, of them going through the Red Sea, Israel going through the Red Sea being a type of baptism. And their, their journey through the wilderness being a type of, of the trials of life. The, uh, the, the journey across the Jordan being a type of death and entrance into the promised land being a type of heaven and then it all rolls over and begins to repeat their life in the promised land being a type of our, of our battles being fought and, and the thing just continues to give types and shadows of that which is to come. We'd like to notice something and this is the I, the next I in the word spirit, we like to notice indirect pictures. Pictures that are, that are given, but we didn't know until it was revealed in the New Testament what the picture meant. Think of this one. Matthew 2.15 Out of Egypt have I called my son. Well, we think that must mean that there is a scripture somewhere that says, I am going to call my son out of Egypt. 
That's not what happened. Turn to Hosea 11th chapter, first verse, and notice what it says. Hosea 11, this is the prophecy that this refers to. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. What's that referring to? It's referring to the children of Israel being called out of the land of Egypt. So now we know that the event, the entire event of them being called out of Egypt was meant to be a prophetic picture of Joseph and Mary going down into Egypt and being brought back out again. Amazing. Amazing. Indirect picture. The last one we'll mention is Matthew 2.18 says, Rachel was weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. And we know what that's all about. It makes us weep to think about that story of Herod being so jealous that he went over into Bethlehem and slew all the children two years old and under. What a terrible scene. Well, it says this was prophesied. Really? Well, go back to Jeremiah 31. Let's look at that and see what it says. <clears throat> Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. What does it say here? 31 and 15. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rahel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. What is that about? That's not about Bethlehem. That's about being carried away into Babylon. The prophecy here of what was going to take place if they did not turn away from sin is... Nebuchadnezzar would come and take them all away and all the women of Israel would be weeping because their children were not. And so that was an indirect picture that the New Testament writer, inspired way, says that was also a picture of what happened at Bethlehem. Amazing thing. Picture given here indirectly by the Old Testament Scripture. A new brother once whose wife was had a yellow highlighter and she was highlighting every time she found something in the Old Testament scripture that was prophetic of Christ and she kept highlighting and highlighting and finally her husband, husband told her dear if we only knew it the entire Old Testament is yellow it's all about the Lord Jesus in many many ways we must finish up here the prophet's writing again it must be very brief the prophets wrote out of their own experiences we know that remember Psalm 22 that we read on Sunday my God, my God why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from me and from the words of my roaring that was a psalmist crying out his own despair. And we find out later that was pointing 
to Jesus and his experiences. Another thing that happened, Isaiah 8, 1 and 16, give reference to this, and maybe we'll not turn there, but make a reference there for yourselves. He said, take a roll and write. So this, this backs up to, to this scene where God actually spoke to someone and said, take a roll and write. Jeremiah 36, 4. Let's, let's look at that. Jeremiah 36. And the fourth verse. Jeremiah called Barak, the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people of the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that came out of their cities. So this is an example of God speaking through his prophet, the prophet giving the words to a scribe, and those words being put in a roll and given to the people. 27th verse of this 36th chapter. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll. What happened here? We back up and we'll find out that that as this roll was read before the king, he did not like what he heard. And he threw that roll into the fire. I want to give a warning here. He actually threw the roll physically into the fire. Now I'll tell you something. <clears throat> I don't know how to get rid of old Bibles, but I just, I don't know. A lot of old Bibles around our homes that we don't know what to do with. But probably none of us would burn one. But have you ever heard of burning bridges? Say a, there's an employee that uh, misbehaves and makes strong statements against his employer. And finally the day comes when he's threatened to be fired. And he makes more strong statements and stamps out of the office and we... We say uh, that young man was burning bridges. Well, he never actually burnt anything. What happens when we read the Word of God and disregard it? Are we burning the roll? Are we burning the roll? This roll was written again. But may the Lord help us to to be very, very careful about our treatment of the Word of God. Daniel, the seventh chapter. <clears throat> Interesting events in the life of Daniel as the Word was given to him. Daniel, chapter seven. year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. This is another
another example of the word being given directly to one of the men of God. And then in the last chapter, the 12th chapter, the Lord says this. Or Daniel says, I heard, ninth, eighth verse, I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So all that he had written, and we would understand this to mean that the understanding of those things are sealed up until the time of the end. But just giving here a clear example of a man of God having a dream and being instructed to write it. The last letter, T, in the word spirit, is simply this. Truth is confirmed as the spirit moves. Just think about this as, as you think about the experiences that you have with all of the word of God and all that you have read and the word that was given through all of these prophets and how little by little you come to understand that the word of God is absolutely true. Have you ever given forth grievous words and they have stirred up anger? Then you have learned that the proverb is true. Have you given a soft answer and it has turned away wrath? Then you are learning that the word of God is true. And there will come that day, one of our hymns says words like this, and we love this, there shall thy glory and you know that final day we will enter into heaven. There shall thy glory, O our God, break fully on our view, and we thy saints rejoice to find that all thy word is true. We just praise the Lord this morning for the word that he has given us from his own lips and through the mouth of his prophets and the Spirit of God works among the patriarchs and He's still working in our day. And we want to be very mindful and aware and conscious of the work of the Spirit of our God.